Good morning, everyone. Good to have you here this morning. I was told to ask how many of you noticed that there was something different on outside the church today as you pulled in. One person. And because the steeple is gone. Yeah. So uh, Joe and uh, Pastor Joe has been working. We finally got our insurance check from Irma, thanks be to God. And so we're going to be able to get a new roof as well as uh, a new steeple. And so for all that to happen, of course, the old steeple has to be taken down. And, but who really cares? You didn't even notice, all right? So no big deal, right? Really. It's only our icon of our church. You know, it's no, really, it's not a big deal. No, but we thank God for his provisions, and uh, so it'll be a few, few months before everything's back in order, but uh, we do thank God for his provisions. I want to give praise to God. That's, that's good. During this Advent season, we're looking at Isaiah's prophecy, most particularly at chapter 9, where the prophet tells us, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, for a child will be born to us and a son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Now as we discovered, this prophecy was given 700 years before the birth of Christ. This prophecy was originally given to the people of Israel as they sat in gloom and anguish of this impeding invasion from the Assyrian army. But in, in the midst of their gloom and anguish, in the midst of their despair, God reminds His people of His covenant promise that He would send a Redeemer. God will send a child to conquer the hearts of the nations. Now, even though the nations are in uproar and the kings of the earth are taking their stand, God reminds his people that he has installed his king in Zion upon his holy mountain and that he has given his king, the nations, as an inheritance. God reminds his people that no matter how dark things might be, the king will establish his kingdom. That is the kingdom of God and that there will be no end to the increase of the government or of peace. And that no end not only talks about globally, but there's no end to his government, his rule, his reign, his mighty acts in your life. There's no end to the increase of his government. Now, Matthew's gospel well, it confirms that this prophecy is telling us about the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. This is the Christ child. This son is the son of God. And Isaiah reminds us that his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Again, as we saw last week that Isaiah brings together four concise names that appear nowhere else in the Bible. Nowhere else in Scripture do we find these names of Christ crowded together as what we find them here in verse 6. 
It's been said that this is the greatest single verse of all scripture to tell us about Jesus Christ. To tell us about who he is and what he does. You see, these four names describe with absolute perfection the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus is my wonderful counselor who brings guidance to my confusion. Jesus is my mighty God who rescues me from chaos. Jesus is my eternal Father who showers upon me compassion. And Jesus is my Prince of Peace who resolves my conflicts. This is the Lord Jesus. Now the prophet tells us a child will be born to us and a son will be given. Now we see that Isaiah prophesied earlier, two chapters earlier in chapter 7, that the Lord himself would give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when you just take that Matthew 7 prophecy and combine it to the narratives that we find on the birth of Christ and the whole issue of the Virgin Mary and all this, it's like the, the, the stars are truly starting to align themselves that we're talking about the Christ child. But this is no ordinary child. Notice this child is Emmanuel, God with us. This child is God in the flesh. During this time of year especially, we have to remember that the majesty of the manger of Bethlehem is that Christ, the Christ child was born without disregarding or discarding his deity, nor distorting humanity. The incarnation of the Son of God is the true wedding of perfect deity, and sinless humanity. The Godhead and manhood were inseparably joined together in one person without conversion, composition, or confusion. This child is very God and very man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man. This is Emmanuel, God with us. Now the fact that Jesus was God in the flesh, well this was blasphemy to the religious leaders in Jesus' day. These religious leaders, they were looking for the Messiah, they were looking for the Christ, but they were blinded to the prophecies of the Old Testament two of which that we're looking that I just mentioned earlier. They were blinded to the prophecies that, that this child would be God with us. Even the phrase that we find in Isaiah chapter 9 that states, a child is born and a son is given, this phrase emphasizes his humanity together with his deity. The phrase, a child is born, well, it emphasizes his humanity. But the phrase, a son is given, 
Well, it emphasizes his deity. And we often only unpack these verses like our Christmas ornaments this time of year. And we really start to just get glazed over and don't really take time to listen to what they're saying. A child is born speaks to Jesus' earthly beginning in the, in the stable of Bethlehem. The Bible tells us that because of humanity consists with flesh and blood, so Christ Jesus had to partake likewise of the same. Jesus had to become flesh and blood. The Bible also tells us that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. These are two aspects of Jesus' birth that really thrust us into the idea of his humanity. This phrase, a child is born, emphasizes Jesus' humanity. But it also goes on to say, a son is given. And this phrase speaks to Jesus' eternal being. Notice the text is quite specific. It's quite clear. It does not say a child is born. A child is born. It doesn't say a child is born and the child will be a boy. No. We, we, what we see here is a child is born and a son is what? Given. A son is given. The father's Christmas gift is the giving of his son. We all can recall the, the famous verse of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. A son is given. The birth in Bethlehem is not his beginning. The birth in Bethlehem was the father's declaration, Thou art my son. Today I have begotten thee. Today I have given you my only son. This phrase, a son is given, emphasizes Jesus' deity. As a matter of fact, the four names that Isaiah gives for us in chapter 9 captures the majesty of the perfect God-man. I mean, just think about it. Wonderful emphasizes his deity while Counselor emphasizes Jesus' humanity. Mighty emphasizes his humanity, while God emphasizes his deity. Eternal emphasizes his deity, while Father emphasizes his humanity. Prince emphasizes his humanity, while peace emphasizes his deity. We see that each of these names show us that this is the perfect God-man. God in the flesh. Emmanuel. God with us. And this God with us is our mighty God. As we consider these four names in Isaiah 9 during this Advent season, this morning we'll focus on the fact that Jesus is our mighty God, our mighty God. A story is told about a 
famous bodybuilder that was going to be interviewed on national TV. And as he was uh, introduced and came onto the stage, he stopped on his way to the couch and he flexed his muscles. And the crowd went wild with applause. He eventually made his way to the couch and after everything settled down, the interviewer asked him, now what do you use those muscles for? The bodybuilder was a little puzzled by the question, didn't really know how to answer, so he just stood up and flexed again. And the crowd just goes crazy over this guy. He must have been one of those guys like we see in the grocery store that's wearing one of those tank tops and all roided up and stuff like that. How much time do you actually spend in a gym? Well, the the crowd settled down and the bodybuilder took his seat and the interviewer again asked another time. So now what do you use those muscles for? You could tell that the bodybuilder was kind of frustrated at this point, didn't know really what to do. So, of course, what did he do? He stood up again and, and of course, the crowd just loved this guy. The point is, the bodybuilder was all show and no substance. He could flex his muscles all day. But he had no purpose for those muscles. All show, no substance. The bodybuilder reminds me of the gods of this world that have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot even make make a sound from their throat. The gods of this world are all show and no substance. The bodybuilder, he's all pumped up, but he has no power. And I'm here to tell you that our mighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is not the bodybuilder. Now, I know that oftentimes that Jesus is represented as a 90-pound weakling. But God wants us to know that this child that is born, this son that is given, given, is a mighty warrior. People want a God who is mighty. I've never gone into a hospital situation when death was on the table And somebody say, you know what, Pastor? What I really want is a wimpy God. I want a wimpy God. I I want a God who really can't help me in this situation. I've never had that happen. In situations like that, people are always looking to a mighty God. A mighty God. Someone who comes and intervenes in our world, in our situations of our life. And this Hebrew term, mighty, well, it actually means champion or hero. And this phrase, mighty God, well, it conjures up images of warfare and battleground. You see, the the child that is born to us and the son 
who is given to us is a warrior guard, God. He's a hero God who conquers all of his and our enemies. Amen? His strength is not for show, but rather to rescue us from chaos. I know that Jesus oftentimes is portrayed as a 90-pound weakling, but I want you to hear the words of the vision that was given to the Apostle John and recorded in the book of Revelation about our mighty God, the Lord Jesus. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. In righteousness he judges and wages war. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he will strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on the, his thighs were written his name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That doesn't sound like some 90-pound weakling. That sounds like our mighty God. As the hymnist wrote, He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. His sifting out the hearts of men before the judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet, because our God is marching on. Amen? Our God is a mighty God. A mighty God. Now remember, the context of Isaiah chapter 9 is that Israel was facing attack from the Assyrian army. And the Assyrian army were vicious people, brutal in their attacks. And as Israel sat discouraged by the dread of defeat and death, the Lord declares that he is in their midst and he is a victorious warrior. He is a mighty God. The people of God might feel beaten, but the Lord reminds them that the battle belongs to the Lord. And so many times I think we forget that fact. We want to take the battle unto ourselves. Where we have a mighty God. Listen, I might not look at it, look like it, but I'm a 90-pound weakling. That was a joke. The weakling part is true, but the 90 pounds was a joke. But the battle belongs to the Lord. Why would I think that I need to embrace this thing by myself or for myself? The battle belongs to the Lord. And the scriptures tell us that he goes forth conquering and to conquer. That is our mighty God. The Christ child will overcome those who attack his people. Because he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. He is our mighty God. Can I just get one amen in the house? Amen. The Lord is mighty over our events. The Lord is mighty over our enemy. The Lord is mighty over the evil that seeks to attack us. The Lord is mighty over the events that seem to overwhelm us. 
when Barbara was pregnant with our, our last child, he was delayed in his birth. Seems like that kid was never going to come. We came to find out that that's exactly who he is because you could never get him out of bed anyway. After He just loved just to sleep in. But after 24 hours in labor, I could tell my wife was losing strength. You know, it's a funny thing about kids. You know, I think the, a lot of times the first, kids, the first kid fools us. <laughs> and that we start thinking that everything's going to happen the same way it happened with the first one. And then we start priding ourselves on being great parents because we got this thing all figured out. And then the second one comes. And we figure out we don't have anything figured out at all. You know, first child's birth, I don't want to speak for Barb, but easy peasy. <laughs> of course, I'm not the one giving birth, right? But this second guy, you know, an event that was supposed to be all about the celebration of a new child and stuff like that, I'm telling you, this thing was turning dark, gloomy. I'm telling you, at that point, I didn't want a wimpy God. I wanted a mighty God. I wanted a mighty God to come and intervene into this situation that seemed to be totally out of my control. And guess what? He did. And Josh slept in every day after that. My point is, is that Jesus Christ is mighty over our events that seem to overwhelm us. He's the Lord that is mighty over our enemies that seek to harm us. The Lord is mighty over the evil that seeks to capture us. And my question to you today is, what are the events, enemies, or evil that is attacking your life? Today, where you need a mighty God. Not a 90-pound weakling God, but a mighty God. The Lord speaks in righteousness. The Scriptures tells us, declaring that He is mighty to save. So is there an upcoming event, a meeting, an interview, that has you frightened? I'm here to tell you, that our God is mighty to save. Is there a co-worker or an official, someone in your life that's causing you to fear? The word of the Lord today is our God is mighty to save. Is there a temptation or an addiction that is threatening you? Our God is mighty to save. Do you not know? Have you not heard? That the Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary, and his understandings are unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, thanks be to God, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Praise to be his holy name. I'm telling you, in the natural world, youth shall faint 
and be weary, and young men will even fall in exhaustion. But those who wait on the Lord shall have their strength renewed. They will mount up with wings like eagle. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Because our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is a mighty God who rescues us from chaos. There's an episode in the Gospels, in the Synoptic Gospels. You're familiar with it. It's when they took the lame man and put him on a cot and brought him in. And there wasn't any room in the house, so they made a hole in the roof and lowered the man down right in front of Jesus. And when the lame man was right there in front of Jesus, Jesus said to him, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. Now, that wasn't exactly what they were expecting because they were expecting basically rise up and walk. But we see that Jesus says to him, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Now, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they didn't like it when Jesus would say things like that because they knew that only God could forgive sin. And that was the point. Jesus, knowing their hearts, says, which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven to you, or to say, rise up and walk? The point that Jesus was making is that both of these things are impossible for man. Man cannot forgive sin, and man cannot make a lame man rise up and walk. But what is impossible for men is possible for God. Amen? And that was Jesus' point. He goes on and says to these religious leaders, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority to for, on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. So Jesus did both. Why? Because he's a mighty God and he wanted to show these Pharisees and these scribes that he was the one prophesied in Isaiah chapter 1, chapter 9. Jesus, the mighty Son of God, has authority to forgive sin, to heal your diseases, and to, to govern the affairs of your life. Brothers and sisters, I'm asking for you to remember that Jesus said... All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Listen to those words. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. It wasn't some authority. It was all authority. And it wasn't just in heaven, but it's on earth. Jesus has been giving all authority over your situation. The scripture goes on to tell us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. So Jesus is, has all authority. And it's not just for this age, but it's for that to come. And scripture goes on and says that he has put all things in subjection under his feet. He basically props his feet up <laughs> on the things of this world. They're all in subjection under his feet. Notice it's not just some things are in subjection under his feet. 
There aren't just some things in your life that Jesus has authority over. He has authority over every situation in your life. And it's not just for this age, but it's yesterday and today and forever. Amen? So I just want to ask you a question. To which of the angels did the Father ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool under your feet? To which of the angels did the Father ever say that to? None. Because none of the angels is the mighty God prophesied in Isaiah 9. The Father has only said this to His Son. Because His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, He is our mighty God. And therefore, all things, everything, every event, every enemy, every evil that seeks to attack you, Jesus is a mighty God that will come to your rescue. For the past several years, I've had the privilege of hosting on Thursday afternoons the football team from Cypress Bay High School. The football team comes over to what we call uh, Team Respect. During Team Respect, we focus on character development and team building, and we use stories from the Old Testament together with current sports figures and people in the news. Every year, I take one of these Team Respect meetings, and I tell the story to the players about a Medal of Honor recipient for that year. For those of you that might not know, the Medal of Honor is the United States' highest and most prestigious personal military medal, and it's uh, awarded to recognize U.S. military service members who have distinguished themselves with tremendous acts of valor. This morning I just want to share one story from a Vietnam veteran, Gunnery Sergeant Canley. It goes like this. On 31 January, when his company came under heavy volume of enemy fire, Gunnery Sergeant Canley rushed across the fire-swept terrain, and he carried several wounded Marines to safety. Later, with the company commander seriously wounded, Gunnery Sergeant Canley assumed command and immediately reorganized his scattered Marines moving them from one group to another to advise and to encourage his men. Although sustaining shrapnel wounds during this period, he nevertheless established a base of fire, which subsequently allowed the company to break through the enemy strong point. These Medal Honor recipients are like our first responders the ones who are rushing into danger, rushing into fire, when the rest of us are running away. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is our divine medal of honor recipient. Unlike the 3,522 American soldiers who have received the United States Medal of Honor, there is only one 
who has received the heavenly medal of honor. And that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our mighty God. He's our hero. He's the one who rescues us from attack. Let me just tell you a little bit about his amazing story. As we traveled across this earthly terrain and came under attack from a fierce enemy that sought to steal, kill, and destroy, the enemy's assault against us was with flaming missiles seeking to devour us like a roaring lion and to sift us like wheat. We laid on the battlefield of life bruised, broken, and beaten. The Lord Jesus Christ rushed in and single-handedly disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them by the cross. Although he suffered multiple wounds during this period, nevertheless he established a secure base for his people to fight against the forces of evil and guaranteed their eventual victory. Our Medal of Honor recipient, Jesus Christ. The child that is born to us, the son that has been given to us, is our mighty God. And we need to trust him for the forgiveness of our sins, to heal our diseases, and to govern the affairs of our lives. The events, the enemies, and the evil that threatens us. We need to know for certain today that Jesus Christ has the authority of the Most High, that He is our mighty God. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today as weaklings. We come to you today admitting that we do not have the strength there are so many things that seek to attack us. Lord, we come to you today declaring that the battle is not ours, that the battle belongs to the Lord. And Lord, I want to ask your forgiveness for the way that I've acted, thinking that I could wage war against these things, that I could be my own hero when I do not have the substance to do that. I'm just all show. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Rescue from my chaos. Govern every part of my life. And as I face the events and the enemies and the evil that confronts me, Lord, I call upon you as my mighty God. That you are mighty to save. Lord, work in our hearts today and give us the confidence to know who you are and what you de desire to do for us, in us, and through us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.